Welcome to the Smart Industry Podcast, Remaking Industry, where we dive deep into the tools, techniques, and technologies that are accelerating digital transformation. All right, thank you for joining us today for the Remaking Industry Podcast. My name is Chris McNamara, Editor-in-Chief with Smart Industry. Today we're uh, looking at workers, um, engagement of the modern workforce, retention of workers, uh, the modern working environment, worker satisfaction, and all that that entails. <clears throat> you know, oftentimes we focus on the digital tools um, that are central to this thing that we call digital transformation, but the human element is critical, um, and so that's what we're focusing on today. Um, this is predicated on a, a new report from uh, Epicor. We're speaking with uh, Carrie Jordan, who is uh, Vice President Product Management Data Platform with Epicor. Carrie, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Chris. So glad to be here. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then um, let's uh, talk to me about your connection to the report here. It's uh, the Voice of Manufacturing Worker Report, um, and we touched on perspective from 600 U.S. employees on workplace sentiment. But first, who, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, happy to. Okay, so um, I am, as you said, uh, leading a product management team here at Epicor. Um, and at Epicor, we partner with some of the world's most hardworking essential businesses across key industries, manufacturing, distribution, retail, building supply, and automotive. And my team of product managers, I have this brilliant team, and we work really closely with these companies to understand the challenges that they're going through and partner with them to help solve those challenges. So this kind of report is really critical for us because as part of that partnership, we want to be trusted advisors, right? We want to be able to guide the customers and the clients that we work with um, based on what's really happening out there in the industry. And these kinds of insights really help us when it comes to providing that sort of advice to, to our, our customers. Um, when we are building out these kinds of solutions, you know, we really want to understand what are those business challenges that they're facing. And then we work with them to help them, you know, uh, operate faster, more efficiently, um, create better, more exciting customer experiences for their customers, you know, a variety of different ways in which we can help these kinds of essential businesses provide more value and continue to grow. Sure. All right. Well, talk to me about the report here. Big picture. Yeah. Um, the Voice of Manufacturing and Worker Report. What jumps out of you? What are some of the two or three uh, key findings in the report? Yeah. Okay. So, you know, a bit about this report, I think, is really unique is that I, I think a lot of times these sort of surveys speak more to the or survey the business leader themselves, right? Like the, um, you know, the presidents, the CEOs, CFOs, those leading. Right. What's different about this one, though, is we, we spoke directly to the frontline workers, those on the shop floor, maybe they're in a warehouse or work in the retail counter. And that, I think, gave us some really great insight. As you said, over you know 600 participants, um, when it comes to some of the key findings. All right. So we asked about morale, you know, state of morale. How are they doing? Um, and we found 52 percent said that their morale at their company was high, 52 um, percent. And some of the things that they pointed to as being reasons for that were a flexible schedule, um, having paid time off and, of course, higher pay. Um, and then, you know, I think that that really shows, of course, more pay, but also work-life balance is really important to these um, workers. 
Um, we also asked about what are your biggest challenges you know, that you face on a day-to-day -day basis. And the number one challenge that they pointed to was the increased cost of raw materials. And I think that's interesting, right? Because it kind of has Im implications at really the business level, but frontline workers deal with this in terms of maybe they have shortages, right? That they have to try to solve for. They, um, you know, might have to work with different materials. So they have to figure out a different process. They could be a lower, you know, lower cost materials, potentially less quality. So they have to pay, of course, more attention to ensuring quality assurance. And then just budget cuts, resource constraints, these kinds of things are, you know, stressful, you know, to, to an everyday worker. So I thought that was interesting. Other um, pieces they called out were supply chain shortages and, you know, increased workloads. So as you can imagine, if they're dealing with these changes around, you know, shortages around raw materials, different raw materials, that could increase individual workers' workloads, you know, and, and create a challenge for them in their everyday environment. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. You think, you know, when you think about the cost of raw materials and and supply chain challenges and and the cost of doing business and things like that is particularly um, C-suite problems, but they do filter down to the workforce that is implementing these these tools and techniques, and that they might be having to work with subpar materials, and that frustrates them, and that makes their life harder. Or yeah, you know, they're they're otherwise strapped um, because of the larger working conditions. Interesting, I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. Um, talk to me. Um, those are kind of some some key findings. Jump out of you. What's a big surprise? What what most surprised you in the report? Yeah, I think what most surprised me was the appetite for new technology among mm -hmm. workers, and I think it's because okay, so I well, what is you know the how how would you describe the appetite, Carrie? Yeah. So this is interesting. Sixty percent of respondents said that they would take a ten percent pay cut to go work for a company with more modern technology. Yeah. I'm, they I'm take a pay cut. Yeah, I'm, I'm surprised by that. Right. And so I think this, this this is interesting because so I think there is a misperception among leaders who are investing in this kind of technology that it'll be disruptive and therefore detrimental to the day to day. Mm -hmm. When in reality, there is an appetite. People want to learn new technologies. They want to be a part of an organization that values, you know, modern technology. And re really what that does is it empowers people to work faster, work smarter, maybe to deal with those, you know, product shortages or, you know, rising yeah. cost of, of materials, right, in their day-to-day -to, -day to to maybe more balance the workload. So I think it has implications um, across the board that really should be considered. Yeah, I was going to ask you why, uh, what's behind that, that that willingness to take a pay cut to be in a more tech-driven factory, and you just touched on it a minute ago, you know, it empowers workers, modern technology, you know, oftentimes, particularly when they're younger workforces, they're used to working with these type of technologies in their, in their personal lives, they've grown up with this stuff, and they expect that in their work environment, um, but, right. but that willingness to take a pay cut to to be in that environment, that's uh, that's pretty surprising. Mm-hmm, Yeah. Similarly here, um, one of the stats in the report is that 80% say, 80% of respondents say their company is making uh, upskilling a priority. Um, that's a, a overwhelming percentage there. Um, how is upskilling changing in the digitally transformed industrial workplace? How is it being prioritized and how is it being implemented differently than it was say five, 10 years ago or, or in the pre-digital you know, era? Yes. 
I I thought that this was, you know, also an interesting stat, 80%, right, saying that their company was investing in upscaling. So what we're seeing is companies have acknowledged the need to modernize. And I'm actually really glad to see this focus on people in that transformation. So ways in which we're seeing this happen is through on-site or on-the-job training. Uh, Respondents also mentioned online training and even tuition reimbursement were some of the top ways in which companies are starting to upskill. I think it's great that, that leaders are really focusing in on you know, not just investing in new technologies, but uplifting the team, uplifting, you know, their most valuable assets, right? Their people to be a part of this change. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, everyone I speak to across the board, no matter what the topic is, it, it oftentimes, it usually circles back to the people that are, that are implementing these techniques and these approaches and these tools, you know, the, yeah. the bells and whistles and the shiny new objects are fantastic and the tools are wonderful, but it's, you know, the human element is the critical factor in all these things, if, if they're going to be successful. And yes. particularly getting getting those humans engaged and, and properly, um, you know, uh, educated to adopt and implement these tools. That's that's critical there. Yeah. Uh, another hot topic uh, that is everywhere is sustainability here. In your report, um, you note that 61% of respondents would take a pay cut to go work for a more sub- sustainable factory. That's pretty surprising. I wonder how that would compare to five or 10 years ago. Um, let me get you your perspective here. Um, how important is sustainability to the modern workforce? And uh, second question there, does age affect this perspective? And that's kind of a leading question because uh, it seems to be that sustainability is a particularly hot topic for younger workforces. So um, sustainability, um, how important is it to the modern workforce? Right. So I wanted to dig into this as well. I thought it was interesting that a pretty serious majority, you know, said that they would prefer to work for a company, you know, that has a more sustainable factory. So I I considered this and I looked back to another question that we had asked and it was, why do you enjoy doing what you do? Like what what provides you the most rewarding or fulfilling experience as part of your everyday? The first was building something tangible with your hands, right? Building something that lasts. Um, The second piece was contributing to the company's mission. And the third was the people that you work with, going back right to to the importance of the team. But but that second one, you know, being a part of of making a difference, being a part of the, the mission that your company has, this really ties to the sustainability aspect to me. So I think it's bigger than just, you know, uh, the, the company itself being a part of something um, that's really making a difference in in you know, to individuals, to families, to communities, and really to customers. I think it's a much bigger topic that now, you know, as as part of your everyday, uh, by working for a company that has a focus on sustainability, you're making a bigger difference in a bigger way. So I, I think that that is is you know part of what's at play here. Um, and w- when it comes to age, we didn't actually ask age directly, but we did ask yeah. about tenure, so time time in the job, your your okay. your current job, but also your entire career. Fifteen percent were over fifteen years in manufacturing, so the the rest were were less than fifteen years. Um, so yeah. of course, you know that would suggest a a younger workforce, right? So yeah. yeah, perhaps this is changing over time. Yeah, interesting. You know, alongside that um, awareness and and interest in sustainability among younger workers, uh, a trend that I hear reported often also is um, 
moving around. They, uh, the you know younger uh, workers are less inclined to stay in one place for a long time. Uh, whether that means they're less loyal to an employer, I don't know, but they're more inclined to change jobs or change employers more rapidly. 56% um, of respondents in your survey said they plan to leave their job within the next year. Now, that's pretty shocking. It is. If you're, if you're the hiring manager, if you're the owner of an uh, uh, enterprise trying to maintain a, a, a workforce that is somewhat trained and things like this. Yeah. So 56% plan to leave their job within the next year. What does that mean for industrial employers? And what does that mean for the strategies that they implement? Does it mm -hmm. make everything harder and more expensive? Or what does that mean? Right. Gosh, I hope not. Okay. So um, I think there's a lot to learn here. And I was also kind of surprised by that. 56% is a significant number. Um, so we also asked, what would you look for in a new employer? Uh, more paid time off and a more flexible work schedule was the, the those were the top two that they pointed out. Um, right. Also looking for a management team that, that listens one that is, you know, uh, listening to the employers, making changes based on what the employers would recommend. Um, so, or sorry, what the employees would recommend. So this, this comes to, you know, some guidance that I, you know, it would pass on based on this. And, you know, that's, um, maybe ask, you know, employers or sorry, the employees, what is it that, um, you know, you, you would need in order to have a better work-life balance in, in your day-to-day, -day, right? Because I think if we, because that, that, that accomplishes two things, right? Being that management team that listens, right? So that's the one thing that um, employees ask for, but then also to make, you know, changes in order to potentially be more flexible. And then how do you be more flexible? Now, that's the piece that I think we need to to get into as far as, well, potentially technology could help solve for that. Yeah, I mean, it's enabling a more flexible industrial workplace than was imaginable, you know, five or 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, automation is empowering that remote work and, you know, all the, 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 the trends that we've seen over the past couple of years that have been prompted by, you know, this, the hardship of the pandemic. So it's interesting to see mm -hmm. where that'll shake out. Um, all right, let me ask you to uh, back up again a little bit here. Um, yeah. Based on, you know, consuming this study and this report in whole, um, strategy shifts. What, uh, I'm going to make you the, um, the CEO of an industrial enterprise right now, and you're looking at this report, and I want you to give me one or two or three strategy shifts that you'd make uh, based on the findings here? Yeah, sure. Um, I would make technology a priority. I mean, it's it's interesting to see just how great of an appetite there really is among the uh, workforce, um, as well as sustainability. So that would be a big piece. And we asked, what kinds of technology are you starting to see your business investing in? Um, and these were interesting. So big data was one, right? So gathering, normalizing, governing data. Uh, second one was robotics or AI um, in order to automate the manufacturing process. And, and the way in which we're seeing robotics being used in many ways is to really improve employee health, safety, and well-being, right? By automating those repetitive or potentially dangerous tasks. So that that could be a, a you know potential way to... Um, you know, of course, improve the employee well-being. Uh, augmented reality 
was also among the top. I thought this was interesting to see it on the rise, you know, but, you know, when you think about it, being able to visualize the manufacturing process, to track data, to feed the big data investments, improving quality assurance. Uh, and then the last one was 3D printing, right, to, to often prototype faster. Um, so, so making technology uh, and sustainability a priority across the business. You know, a, a second I would say is, yeah, that, that flexible work schedule continued to come up. So, you know, being able to build flexibility into the business um, continued to be a, a resounding um, thing that that uh, the respondents asked for. And then yeah. investing and upskilling. So the only way in which, you know, we see organizations being able to move into the future is to have the skill set in order to do so. I thought it was great to see this investment in upskilling and with 80% saying um, they see their organization doing it and they're participating in it. They they want to uh, you know, achieve new skills, to be able to continue to advance in their career. I think as an employer, I would review the uh, on-site or on-the-job trainings that I have in place, if I'm making available training platforms for, for online learning, uh, what kind of tuition reimbursement plans I might have, um, because that is absolutely an important investment in order to make within within the people if you're going to take your, your organization to the next level, if you're going to be you know moving into the future five, 10 years from now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It, it, it's, it's, there's, it's, um, there's cause for optimism on both fronts. It's the, the tools at the ready for, um, you know, the C-suites are um, offering unprecedented capabilities to work smarter. And then the workforce is empowered um, to a degree that I don't think we've ever seen before. So yeah. it's encouraging on both fronts there. Um, in that vein, um, calls for optimism that, that you can pull out of the report. Give me something that really um, you find is, is reason to be optimistic about the near future of um, manufacturing here. I have to say it's continuing to invest and empower the people. Like you said, almost every successful manufacturing leader I've spoken to acknowledges and really points to their people as being the primary reason that they've been successful. So, you know, if we go forward with investing in, you know, automation for automation's sake or, you know, any kind of technology for technology's sake, it's going to fall flat. So making sure you're, you're bringing the people along with you, I think, I mean, that that definitely gave me a lot of um, optimism. Um, we also looked at, you know, uh, how would you consider your your organization? Would you say it's very modern? Would you say it's, you know, not so modern? I thought this was interesting. 48% said that their company is very modern. And then 47% said somewhat modern and 6% said not at all. That's actually mm-hmm. a higher number. Um, you know, being on the modern side of things than, than I would have expected. So um, I think I think there is a lot of reason for optimism um, among our ability as a manufacturing, distribution, essential business industry um, for the future and and what we're going to be able to achieve together. Awesome. I agree. Carrie Jordan with Epicor, thank you for joining us on the Remaking Industry podcast today. Very sharp stuff. The report is very interesting. Thanks for sharing your perspective on it. Thank you. So glad to be here. Yeah. And to our listeners, as always, we remind you to go out and make it a smart day.